joining us today for our latest podcast in a series exploring the new reality facing retailers. My name is Cindy Rogers, and I'm the Director of Insights Planning and Optimization here at Logic. Today, we are very excited to welcome a special guest and friend, Sudeep Bharat. Sudeep is the Director of Information Delivery at Belk. He's an experienced, and I have firsthand knowledge that he's an inspiring data and analytics leader with an extensive background in leading analytics modernization initiatives in the retail and manufacturing sectors. Previously, Sudeep has led analytics, master data management, and integration initiatives for the Men's Warehouse and Technic FM, a global oil and gas manufacturer. Belk, if you are not familiar, is a department store chain based in Charlotte, North Carolina, with 292 stores in 16 states. Founded in 1888, the brand is known for modern Southern style. At Belk, there is a strong focus on digital transformation as the omnichannel business continues to grow. Today, we will be discussing enterprise data strategy and lessons learned as a result of Belk's data warehouse modernization and enterprise reporting and analytics modernization program, which they refer to as ERAM. Also joining us today is Rupesh Pradhan, Chief Operating Officer at Logic and the Executive Lead for our Insights Planning and Optimization Practice. Rupesh has spent his career focused on data science, BI, and technology for the retail industry. So we are excited to bring these two leaders together for what promises to be a very enlightening conversation. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. Glad to have you here both. Let's get started. Belt's overall driving vision is to reimagine the department store, and Omnichannel plays an important role in achieving that goal. With that, Belk's customer-facing offerings continue to evolve while delivering on their respected brand. Sudeep, how did this focus factor into your enterprise reporting, analytics, and modernization program? Sure, uh, Cindy, again, uh, thank you uh, and Logic for inviting me to the podcast. So going back to the question you asked, Omnichannel always, if you look at last decade or so, have been a priority for retailers and uh, everybody is in a different place in their maturity curve. For Belk specifically, what was important was to see what is a path they need to go through to modernize themselves. There's no uh, really template which you know every retailer can just take and uh, sure success. It doesn't work that way. For Belk, the f- few drivers that were the priority, number one, I think one of the key business drivers for Belk was once it became from a family-owned public company to a private company, Belk went private in 2015. So with that, some of the business priorities change how Belk will organize. But also as part of that, eventually the technology landscape also changed. So I will say, Bill, having through a journey of transformation between 2015 and now, it's half a decade of journey. Omnichannel always been a top goal, but I will say it's a constant evolving as we went through this journey. When I came on board to Belk around 2018, I think most of the business changes were kind of settling down. We had a clearer vision in terms of how we can transform ourselves into a modern departmental store with better assortments and much more visibility online uh, across all the channels for our assortment, right? Mm -hmm. But 
what was important for us to recognize is how to bridge the gap between what business is really looking for and what is some foundational day-to-day tactical problems the organization was facing because of, you know, primarily I will say technology limitations. So we had to build that bridge between what is really needed to set up as a foundation from a technology team perspective on top of which omnichannel vision, strategic vision can really be built out. So I will say 2018, 2019 was for Bell. From my perspective, the primary focus was to essentially get that alignment and build that phase one of the initiative around modernization where the foundation is there for us to do, do really the next generation or evolution around just business enhancement around Omnichannel. Very good. Thank you, Sudeep. And it, as the offerings continue to evolve, so to keep pace with your customers and those requirements of your customers, the stores, their roles have changed, supply chain and continue complexity within the supply chain. So again, I guess those were real key factors in reporting analytics modernization program. Rupesh, would you want to add anything to that as being very close to this program? Yeah, the thing that people who are not practitioners in this area sometimes don't realize is even though retail industry has been talking about omnichannel commerce and sometimes unified commerce for quite a few years now, truly integrating traditional brick and mortar and e-commerce channels into a really an integrated and seamless business, is still a work in progress. If you look under the hood, especially those of us who understand systems, understand business processes and all that, you will see that there are lots of improvisations, duct tapes, band-aids, you know, whatever you want to call it, that are just sort of working together to, you know, improvise, if you will, an omnichannel business experience. And really the complexity that has, you know, been thrown into this mix because of omnichannel business is uh, not trivial. We have seen that there are a lot of different roles that weren't traditionally interacting within a a retail business now have to work very close uh, together. You know, stores have become a supply chain node. Traditional marketing and customer service help desk, you know, now we need to look at them together to understand a holistic customer experience that customers have with retailers. You know, just a few years ago, if you think of it, you know, you could purchase an item at a store or maybe online, but today's omnichannel journey can involve browsing online, purchasing in store, getting part of that order shipped directly to your house, and then maybe even returning somewhere else. And, you know, from an analytics, from a data architecture perspective, how do you model these complex activities or or, or complex uh, transaction models in a way that you can actually have an end-to-end view Mm -hmm. of what's actually truly happening, right? So like a, you know, like a unified data architecture that reflects the overall business model that retailers are trying to invent in this omnichannel world. And, you know, really this reimagining of how retail happens and how do you make sure that you have an underlying data architecture that can actually provide you insight and analytics to be able to, you know, see how you're doing is not trivial and Belk took this challenge. Sure. I, I think, Rupesh, you are really articulated well. And I'll go back to one comment, Rupesh, you made, which is around this bandaid approach, or rather kludgy approach under the hood, right? And and that's uh, exactly what ends up happening a lot of times. And uh, I mean, I experienced it firsthand here. I mean, what's happening is because a lot of the retailers who are probably in the size of wealth, we are very tactically focused every quarter or every promotion. And 
the teams a lot of times are working in silos. There's not necessarily always a coordinated effort, right? So creating that grand omnichannel vision, a common understanding of what, for example, is a demand margin or selling margin is, not having common understanding of matrices across cross-functional groups acts as an impediment. So when you're working in silos, everybody eventually ends up creating a, a nuanced, separate version of the truth. So a lot of the initiative or the journey we went through is kind of bringing cross-collaborative teams together, creating common understanding of data, metric, and everything. Because the word omni is about not just how customer is able to shop cross-channel, but it's also within Bell, the internal stakeholders, how they have a common understanding of customer across all channels, whether how marketing is defining success of uh, whether we are able to convert a customer compared to how finance is thinking uh, about the profitability. These things are, there are a lot of cross-cutting aspects. We had to build a common understanding. Sudeep and Rupesh, thanks for that background and context here. And candidly, it sounds like tackling a hairball. When you think about all yeah. of the different data sources, you talk about the variances or the fragmented metrics that were worked with. So really, kudos, Sudeep, to you and your leadership team for taking this on. And, you know, and that scares a lot of retailers to saying, you know, how this is too much. It is a hairball. But they do reach a burning platform to say we have to take action. So I guess you did have that burning platform. And what were the major factors for you and the Belk leadership team to say, this is going to be complex, but we have to move forward? Yeah, it's a very good question. And uh, I will go back to kind of earlier what I was talking about. You know, at times business is so tactically focused to deliver some near term value. A lot of times getting the leadership all aligned for strategic program becomes difficult. But in this case, I mean, uh, as part of our journey, the leadership did recognize that data has to be strategic focus of the organization if you have to prepare better. And for us, that journey also had certain tactical drivers as well, and that kind of accelerated the process. The tactical driver for us was we used to be on a tier data data warehouse, and even on a week-by-week -week basis, as organization was delivering standard weekly reports, to get certain analytics initiatives going, we were also onboarding data scientists on the same platform. And we started seeing this struggle for resources on weekly reports and data scientists are doing their own work, which a lot of times is very iterative, exploratory, very difficult to define workload. So it created a situation where uh, we felt that we are not making uh, either good reporting, neither we are making good progress on the data science side, and also on top of that, we were reaching a point uh, we had to renew our uh, platform because of end of life situation. So the key driver uh, at that point was, okay, we have a tactical issue to address. We need a better stable platform sure. and let's, let's make a conscious, deliberate strategic move when we decide whatever that uh, platform would be in the near term. We don't want to be short-sighted. Can we choose a platform which is going to address the near-term issues quickly, but also can address our strategic needs? So that burning platform situation was third data. Eventually, we through a series of the you know decision-making uh, stage, get kind of a POC through phases, decided Snowflake Cloud Data Warehouse to be Bell's new strategic data platform. 
Okay, thank you. So both the hardware, the performance issue, and this upcoming data science team, which needs a lot of data and fast and to be nimble, you move forward. So like you said, you selected Snowflake for your cloud data warehouse, which is a relative newcomer, but has quickly become a leader in the market. Can you talk a little bit about that decision and how that platform has been working for you? Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, Snowflake have been uh, really key to our success at Bell from a data foundation perspective. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Snowflake is actually going uh, public tomorrow as we speak. So it would be interesting, the market reaction to this platform. So when we uh, looked at Snowflake, uh, this was uh, around 2018, September, October. Uh, we evaluated a few platforms. Snowflake was obviously one of the recommendations we received from industry experts. But we also looked at uh, other platforms from Google and uh, you know, ENC and whatnot. But eventually, a few things uh, really made us uh, move towards Snowflake. One is for Belk, it was important SQL compliant platform, a platform which allows us to speak the common language of data that is still predominant in the market, which is structured query language. And from that compliance perspective, Snowflake is was extremely close even at that point, which is you know 2018 end to the Oracles or Teradata or Netiza. So that was one key criteria. Second is, as I said, that we needed a, a tactical work stream and also a strategic work stream to modernize the whole, you know, the, the data landscape. But for the tactical, we cannot take risk of re-architecting everything. So a lift and shift approach from Teradata was important. So based on our proof of concept, we realized Snowflake does very well when we're talking about minimal amount of code change and moving the whole Teradata code base to Snowflake at a cost which is acceptable. Cost is always a factor. So those are the key things when we looked at Cindy, um, Snowflake came out at the top. Very good. Now, Rupesh, Logic has experience with Snowflake, with retailers. Do you have anything to add on that? Yeah, so as Sudeep said, you know, Snowflake is a relative newcomer in this space, but they are also really out there from an innovation perspective when it comes to a data warehouse on the cloud. And with the emergence and rapid expansion of cloud platform, having looked at a variety of different offerings out there, from our perspective, Snowflake has been a very stable and very reliable and mature platform compared to some of the others that we have looked at. Uh, there are others uh, that we have looked at. And really the power of a cloud-based database platform like Snowflake is really in its ability to scale as much or as little as you need on a day-to-day -day basis. As you can appreciate with retail, you know, there are weekends when the demand and the activity is very different than other parts of the weekdays or during holiday seasons or the Black Friday you know, the demand on the systems are very different than other times and other parts of the year. So there's a lot of volatility in demand on the systems with retailers. And what a cloud-based platform that we have seen has really allowed retailers to do is, is really scale up and scale down as your systems are demanding these resources. And that has actually been a revolutionary thing when it comes to analytics. Analytics is all about processing large volumes of data. 
And these days, the volume, the variety, and the velocity of data has increased quite a bit. And being able to scale up and down in order to be able to analyze the amount of data that is generated these days in the retail sector is, you know, is complex. And cloud-based technologies and cloud-based database platforms have really made that possible. Thanks, Rupesh. So we discussed the cloud platform and the velocity and the variety of data. With that, the next step, Belt decided to move forward with Roebling, which is a retail-specific enterprise data model addressing all the functional areas that a retailer needs today and going forward. Sudeep, can you give us some insight on why you chose Roebling? Sure, absolutely. So one of the key uh, drivers for even uh, going the modernization route was not to just do the technical upgrade, which we talked about, but also build this whole uh, omni-channel vision of business on top of it. But also, Belt, we didn't think that we need to reinvent the wheel if there are best practices available already out there. Belk already had a retail data model in-house based on Oracle's model. And over a period of decades, we kind of used that customized to the point it became very unique to Belk. So we had a choice to keep on building those additional omnichannel capabilities around maybe customer dimension or the whole supply chain aspect, or look at something out that's available based on best practices, more of a product uh, which we buy and customize for Belk. We uh, looked at a few, and based on uh, our discussion and analysis, we felt the Roebling model is best for Bell. I would say the reason being two. One is even though Roebling is very new in this uh, space as an organization or as a startup, but it's really backed up by two solid leaders who have been in the retail space for quite some time. So all that knowledge and understanding of retail was already baked into the model when we reviewed what is available in Roebling's model. But the other key thing which uh, we really uh, liked uh, is I believe Roebling is the only one, at least at that point of time, who had made an effort to build a model already on Snowflake and vetted it for compatibility, performance, and whatnot for majority of the aspects. So that gave us a level of comfort considering that strategically we were aligning on the technical foundation of where the model is going to live and retrade. So those were the two drivers, I will say. On, on that one, I wanted to add one more thing, if I may. You know, like Sudeep, as Sudeep was saying, there's that data model part, which sort of encompasses a lot of learnings uh, that Roebling has had over many years of having been in this, in this industry and all of that. There's another part to it that uh, was also something that we at Logic, as a systems integrator, found very valuable. And, and it is around, you know, cloud technology, cloud-based database platform is new, right? And and there are lots of other sort of moving parts. There is a data security component of it. There's this part of how do you make one cloud talk to another cloud? What happens when you have some of your systems on premise and some of these systems on the cloud? And some of the things that Roebling had sort of thought through and figured out in terms of how do you move data and how do you integrate systems that may be in different clouds or on-prem systems and, and bring that data together to a unified data platform or analytics, Snowflake, allowed us to not have to worry about those things and sort of try to re-engineer this whole thing or think about every little thing on our own when we're doing implementations and integration of the system. And that was also huge. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Rupesh, you're absolutely right. So just to be clear, when I say data model, it is not just a set of logical model with schema. We are talking about the whole data warehouse and the reporting layer as well. And an uh, integral part of it is how you build these layers within a data warehouse, like the staging or uh, the reporting layer. So Roblink has all this incorporated. What's important to also understand uh, people who are not familiar with Roblink is the primary offering is really data model as a service. I mean, you, you don't need to necessarily have your own snowflake if you are looking for a data model. Roblink provides a house and this, it as a service. Belk's model was more of an hybrid approach where Belk's Snowflake is where the model was deployed. So definitely from a time to market perspective, it is not just that data model, which is a set of tables essentially, but this whole pipeline of data, how that's going to function, how your security will be applied on top of it, how you do error handling, how do you do data reprocessing? All these are very key when the deliverable is business matrix, which is you know the accuracy of the data. So accuracy of data is extremely critical in any Dataverse project. And I will say Roblink has pretty much got all those aspects uh, covered from an end-to-end offering perspective. Very good. And as you both know, new data sources surface and are introduced to your teams all the time, every day. And so what it sounds like is Roblink does provide that blueprint or that framework so that the teams can quickly gain access or can be integrated and quickly gain access to those new data sources in a logical manner. Uh, absolutely. So, Cindy, going back to one of your earlier questions, what was the wealth driver to get Roblink? One of the things we wanted to consciously do is we are heavy users of uh, Manhattan Cedar on order management, warehouse management, and ERP side where Oracle RMS users. More close we could stay to those core source data models, the better it is for us. Uh, every company company has to obviously diverge a little bit. And Roblink has inbuilt connector to those data model of those products. So that kind of simplified our time to market as well. And we tried to stay close to the actual product as much as possible. Obviously, there will be gaps. Okay, very good. So Sudeep, these next points, you and I partnered extensively on this. You know, they're near and dear to my heart is earlier you spoke about it saying, you know, we had a lot of metrics and we had maybe different definitions or calculation for the metrics and maybe fragmented. And so one area that Belk placed a lot of energy on was data governance and looking at where they're at today and how are we going to provide some governance air cover going forward. What level of importance did this have for you and how did it factor into the decision making process throughout the program? It's extremely important. Without governance, what we would end up having is what we already had. You know, two years down the road, we will again have an ungoverned, multiple versions of the truth residing in a cloud instead of being on-premise. That's what would have happened. So governance is extremely critical. As I mentioned earlier, omnichannel vision is not uh, about giving a customer seamless experience around delivering their product. It's also about a seamless experience around how each group within Bell collaborates around data and metrics. Everybody has to agree on common shared definition of uh, this metrics, right? So governance has, and what we really focus in the, as you're aware, is essentially around the two aspects. One is standardizing the metrics so that every single analyst is not creating their own set of metrics. And the other part of it is governing those metrics through a concept of center of analytics, right? What we have 
experienced at the completion of this journey is we definitely reduced by 40% ad hoc metrics, which the business users were building just to serve their own reporting needs. Overall, we have reduced number of metrics by 25%. What that really means is now we have more metrics at the enterprise level and less metrics at our departmental silos. So people are talking about more metrics in a cross-collaboration environment. So that's a good thing. As far as the center of analytics is concerned, Center of Analytics was originally set up with the key SMEs across each business unit. And our goal was any change of metrics or any introduction of new metrics will be driven by this business data stewards or SMEs only if they all agree. Mm -hmm. What has happened over a period of time is now it has kind of become part of our you know, DNA. We really do not necessarily have a formal process of creating a matrix or going through an approval, but it is part of the overall, the way we cross collaborate that, okay, the moment we start talking about a new metric, we kind of have instinctively panic. Okay, wait a minute. Why do we need a new metric? We need to probably bring this group together, this set of users to see, do we really need it? And that's a behavior change, right? And I think that's probably, a, it's not necessarily a tangible outcome uh, or deliverable of the initiative, but it's something we have evolved and uh, kind of ingrained in our nature now. And I think that that's a big, big positive. I think that's a huge win. And I think every retailer would understand the Monday morning business recaps. And instead of sparring over the performance metric and how it was derived, you're now aligned on that performance metric and you're more focused on the action planning than on the data. Is yep. that fair to say? Absolutely. I guess another thing around the data governance and the alignment and how seamless your vice president of HR made a just a wonderful point through this in that she said, you know, instead of this being a reporting and analytics modernization program, she said, you know, I see this as an associate engagement program because instead of the heavy lifting on a Sunday or uh, early Monday morning to prep and gather performance insights for these business recap meetings on a Sunday. They This now comes much more with ease. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, absolutely. So uh, as you are aware, anytime there's an initiative that needs a certain amount of resource to be allocated, there's always these calculations we end up doing called ROI. Okay, if we do this project or this program, what's the ROI? And uh, guess what? I mean, the, the thing which you just talked about, the productivity or efficiency to deliver the value, it's hard to measure that ROI. But that's the biggest value out of this program. But yeah, you're absolutely right. One more thing I wanted to actually add on the, the whole topic of data governance. You know, we, we hear in the industry these days, many retailers, not just retailers, other organizations too, wanted to be a data-driven organization. We hear a lot about data analysis, data science, you know, all these tools that are out there these days to allow you to do data visualization. And in all of this, generally the, the challenge for an organization to be a data-driven organization is, is really data. You know, the problem with data analytics or the challenges with data analytics generally is actually availability of data. People don't necessarily think about it, but if you have data, and I put that in air quotes, where you know, it's all jumbled up, everything is there, it's not harmonized, 
it is not curated and it is not governed, then it's actually very difficult to make use of. And most of the time, data analysis, data science, analytics, data-driven organizations, they suffer or they fail at what they're trying to do really because they don't have access to well-designed, curated data. And the discipline to make sure that you have data governance so that the the data that you have available in your organization is actually consumable by various groups within your organizations, various data scientists, various data analysts is very important. To- totally. You know, I mean, you're familiar with this uh, phrase. I think data science is like 80% of the time is spent on uh, data preparation and 20% in actual VLA creation. And primarily it's because, you know, data scientists do struggle to really uh, rationalize and create uniform uh, uh, data set, which then they can really use for their algorithms, right? I mean, here is the same thing, right, at Belk as well. But the, the key thing is the availability aspect we have addressed as part of the program, creating a data lake where the source data models are available as is without really putting any additional business logic. Now that allows our internal team to really find how the data is in the source systems, but more importantly, it allows us to find the gaps in the business processes or the data uniformity or issues with data quality. And these are the learnings that allows us not to really spend so much time when we are launching a data science engagement. We already know the upfront issues and we try to either address those as separately or try to work around so that the data scientist is not really stuck. So very, very important point uh, based on what you just mentioned. Yeah. So, Sudeep, this was just such a large-scale initiative. I mean, it, it included a data migration to the cloud. It included taking all these data sets and those relationships and making it uh, consumable to a variety of different roles within the organization so they could make business decisions based on their responsibility And it also was about rationalization of what metrics are truly going to report on our performance. So huge initiative here. Belk leadership took on a lot and it was successful. What are the lessons learned for other retail leaders who are considering making a similar move? So from my perspective, based on what we have done here, and obviously now we have the luxury of looking back and trying to evaluate, do some introspection, where we did go right or did the right thing is to always think strategically. Even though we had a lot of, you know, you mentioned about burning platform, we had a lot of tactical heat we had to deal with, but, but we never lost this that strategic vision of what is our kind of not end goal, but what is our journey going to be looking like three years down the road. So that's important. Any tactical decision around data has to tie to that broader scheme of things. That's number one. And, and secondly, I will say that anytime me being a part of an IT data organization and we are trying to work with business, they are the really owner of the vision around the data or what business a data can drive. We need to make those business leaders owning 
aspects of subject area, aspect of metric or aspect of functions so that the accountability part is very clear. Otherwise, a lot of time we end up having this uh, confusion around data. And then, as Rupesh was saying, this whole it's the governance area becomes very you know murky. We don't want that. So making the key business stakeholders to be part of this journey early on is extremely important, right? The other thing I will say, it's a little bit maybe technical, the point about what I'm going to talk about, which is end of the day is the deliverable of the initiative is a set of business dashboards for executives to consume. Care and thought has to be given by the architects of the program that those high-level dashboards or KPIs map all the way down to the granular level metrics or the data points which day-to-day operations analyst is really using to report up. So for us, we felt we probably could have done a better job when defining these high-level dashboards and the reports and metrics and KPI and how it ties to the lowest level of report from an ad hoc metric and reporting perspective. That plumbing has to be clearly understood and designed upfront to avoid a lot of operational issues. So I will say those are my recommendation that uh, working with business leaders is absolutely important. But don't forget about the lower level, the operational analysts, or operational workers who have a day job. I mean, they're much closer to the data than a, a executive. Executives are looking at a weekly view of the business or a quarterly view of the business. But the guys who are working on a day-to-day basis, important to get their feedback and making sure there's no design flaws in the solution that we are building. Sure. Good. And Rupesh, you were close to this program as an executive partner outside looking in or not even that you were part of the core team here. Any takeaways from your perspective? I actually uh, want to uh, second what Sudhi just said, which is having that overall vision of what you're trying to achieve in, let's say, one year, two years, three years, that's great. But having the discipline and really also the drive to make sure that this system also works for those who are trying to work on a day-to-day basis operationally, having that discipline to make sure that this entire architecture and this entire infrastructure that you're putting in works for them is very important. Otherwise, you are going to have the same problem of where different people are looking at different sets of data, different uh, versions of the truth, as Sudeep says, and you're always going to struggle with it in future. So just having that discipline while you're pursuing your long-term vision, trying to make sure that on a day-to-day basis, making sure that this system also works for the rank and file people in the organization who need to consume that data and make day-to-day decisions like transfers or allocations or returns or purchase orders is very important. And, you know, we had a very great experience in this project with, you know, our partner being very disciplined about it. Very good. Thank you both so much for your time, your good counsel. And Sudeep, thank you for allowing Logic to be a partner in this journey. Thank you so much, uh, Cindy and Rupesh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.